Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Niler Nine podcast. It is myself, Niall Byrne, and Andrea Cleary. How are you, Andrea? I'm good, Niall. How are you? So soft-spoken. So soft-spoken. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I I was distracted. I was distracted by a bird. It's a lovely sunny day, um, and we have a an album to talk about, which is very exciting. Yeah, we have a, a big album, one of the biggest albums of the year, perhaps. Um, mm, it is, of course, certainly. Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. <laughs> a lot to unpack here, a lot to unpack, a lot to talk about. And we are going to do that. We are going to talk about Kendrick Lamar's fifth album, came out last Friday. A lot, lot to discuss, a lot to... Um, I'm interested in hearing your perspective on things. I know you've done a lot of listening for this album, you... You reviewed it on the day of release for radio on Arena. <laughs> yeah, that How was, was that? really, it was, it was really weird. Like I've done, I've reviewed kind of big pop albums before where I've had to, you know, get up really early um, if there was no um, advanced copies given out to people, mm. um, to critics. I think I've, I did it with like Adele for the Irish Times where I got up at like, four in the morning to get my review in for 10 a.m. or whatever it was. And I've done it for RT Arena a few times. Uh, Picture This, I remember being one um, where we didn't get an advanced copy. So you kind of have like the day with it. Um, And like, luckily, I'm freelance, so I can kind of spend the day at my desk listening to it. Um, And that was very much the case with Kendrick Lamar uh, on Friday. So it's really tough because I mean, not only is it a double album, um, it's also like Ke- Kendrick is so kind of lyrically dense, and mm. you you really do have to kind of spend a lot of time with uh, with the lyrics when you're reviewing a Kendrick Lamar album. Like you can't only yeah. really talk about what it sounds like, and then there's also you know finding what the samples are and 
reading a lot into those lyrics, uh, finding like, I don't know, just finding it's, it's re really difficult after a day with this album to kind of find what are the lyrical and thematic trends that run throughout it and then position it within, you know, his work overall and sort of in a way like defend him as a Pulitzer Prize winning rapper, which a lot of people are kind of resistant to that idea as well. So it's, it's, it was really hard. <laughs> And then, yeah, of course, on, you do on, need on, on the show, we spent about roughly 10 minutes talking about the album because that's just the way Arena works. It, it, it's a really, really quick album reviews. So it's, yeah, it's really tough, like, to to kind of get that. And, and, yeah, and I get really people's don't get frustrations. Time on Arena to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then also, 10 like, the, is good. Yeah. But, like, the, the, I think the toughest thing for me was giving it a star rating, giving it a rating out of five because, like a day is just it's not enough time to kind of do that so but like thankfully we were all everyone in the room was really really clear that you know we've had this album for one day so this is very much a kind of a first a first look first perspective thing and i know lots of people get annoyed about the early star ratings coming out and everybody you know getting maybe a little bit overexcited about big albums like this but you know, it is what it is. That's just the nature of the nature of the beast until until critics are given um, a decent runtime uh, leading up to the release of an album. You, we can only expect their uh, their immediate reaction because publications need to get it out there at the time. So. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's not good. It's going the opposite way. That's uh, we used to get weeks in advance for albums to to uh, yeah. take them and used sink to get physical copies. In. Yeah, and now it no longer happens, and it is more and more often, like you're saying, even picture this, are sending out um, <laughs> albums on the day, um, mm. and so and these kind of albums, especially Kendrick Lamar albums, they are very dense, uh, both lyrically, thematically. Um, mm. There's a lot. And just uh, just to say, it's 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 understandable that Kendrick Lamar's label didn't send out. Um, you know, advanced copies to people because the the risk of it leaking was obviously yeah. huge. Like like you said, it's one of the biggest albums of the year. So I'm not blaming anyone for that. It's just it's just a shame, you know. Yeah, it's just it's just the reality of of yeah. addressing these things because it's I I mean I find it hard enough these days when an album comes out on Friday, um, to get a chance to listen to it all as well. But also, you mm -hmm. know, I'm looking at the new tracks and then I released that day. So I always generally an album would take back seat unless it's a big album like this this was the first thing i listened to at 8 a.m on friday morning last week so yeah and i you need that time with something like this when it's okay it's an hour and 17 minutes long or something like that it's uh hmm. it's something you need to go back to a lot there's 18 tracks on it uh two sides um yeah there's a lot to unpack here so um before mm. we do i just want to say if you like what we're doing and we like what we do on this podcast uh, you can support us on Patreon and on Patreon, we have a discord where we're talking about this album and many other albums and also just like sharing tips and things for the likes of Primavera, places to go, all that kind of stuff. Talking about TV mm. that we love and um, there's a nice little community there. So if you're already a member of the Patreon, you can uh, access that. Um, it's in your posts, but um, if you're not a member uh, of Patreon if and you want to, support us from fiber month it is patreon.com forward slash nine or nine so come and join us there give us some support and join the community it's a nice little buzz so that's that's my spiel over and done with for now so will we get on to mr morale and the big steppers yeah. what is a rapper with jewelry a way that i show my maturity what if i call on security that mean i'm calling on god for purity 
I went and got me a therapist. I can debate all my theories and sharing it. Whoa, consolidate all my comparisons. Humble enough because time was imperative. Whoa, started to feel like it's only one answer to everything. I don't know where it is. Whoa, popping a bottle with Claritin. Whoa, is it my head or my arrogance? Whoa, shaking and moving like what am I doing? I'm flipping my time through the Rolodex. Indulging myself in my life and my music. The world that I'm in is a codosec. The world that we in is just menacing. The demons portray the religionists. I'm waking them one and another appointment. I hope the psychologist listening. Well, we start with we start with like your general impression of of what this album is now. Yeah, I mean, I think having spent a bit of time with it, I definitely have a clearer picture, maybe, of what he's trying to do. I also think that this album is maybe the least clear of his records since Good Kid, Mad City. Um, Arguably damn, maybe, but I mean, everything so far has had a very obvious theme kind of on the first time listening to it. Obviously, Go Kid Mad City was a concept album to Pimp a Butterfly was ar- arguably s- similarly structured, but like looser kind of concept album. Damn was dealing with um, with political issues and um, in in the US around the time of its release. And here we find Kendrick. Um, as has been said by m- m- many people kind of reviewing this album, uh, turning inwards and looking uh, in- inwards at himself, you know, navigating and questioning the beliefs that he holds, why he holds those beliefs, how he how he kind of arrived at those beliefs. Um, and also pretty emphatically stating that he is not our savior. He is not the, um, or he cannot live up to the, idea that we've sort of thrust upon him as you know our generation's socially conscious hip-hopper who is in many ways you know not like other rappers um in the in the same kind of denigrating way that we say that girls aren't aren't like other girls you know um and it's a tricky thing for him to unpack because he has such a um a self-consciousness in his lyrics he's always had a self-consciousness in in his lyrics he he really tries to dig down and figure out why he performs his actions why his beliefs are the way they are he you know he he thinks about his communities and how his community and his family have formed him but now we 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 kind of find Kendrick so far removed from you know the K dot persona who we knew on on uh, Good Kid, Mad City, for example, and looking at his life and his career and his values from the perspective of somebody who has um, who has already made it, who's who's made it, who's out, who's you know this public facing advocate for this seeming advocate for social justice and you know racial equality and uh, and things like that and it's the the impression i'm getting from it at the moment is that like there is there is a sense of showing his work on it um in terms of like we've we've all decided that Kendrick Lamar is the voice of the generation and i guess he's he's really He's sort of in, in, encouraging us to question why it is that we think that way or whether it's lazy for people to kind of discuss him and his art in this way, um, which I, I I kind of agree with. Um, and 
showing his work in terms of I mean we'll we'll get into some of the tracks but like why he holds his what why he holds the beliefs that he does and the tricky and thorny um roots that he has had to navigate in order to kind of land on these on, on these um beliefs um tracks like a, a track like anti diaries is a very good example of that but that's my kind of my my, my overall sense is that he's moved away from um kind of facing us and is really kind of navigating more interesting routes within himself, but allowing us to see the work that he's doing within that. Yeah. I mean, you could say that this album is a concept album as well about um, what it means to do therapy and do the work. Um, It is also could be seen as a series of confessions um, and the way that it's pitched with his wife, um, starting the album and, and appearing throughout encouraging him to to reach in a real place of of truth and insight is kind of is quite novel and quite unique in terms of certainly in the rap world um mm. and i think it is it does frame this album in terms of it is kendrick kendrick trying to be as personal as he can be trying to question himself trying to show us those things i think the yeah what you're saying there about the savior complex like the god complex whatever it is like i mean i think no artist should have to take that on and i think to in order for an artist to continue to thrive and create uh, long term i think they have to reject that um yeah kind of idea because otherwise you can't like he, he talks about you know the Heavy is the head that wears the crown, the misquoted um, Shakespeare quote, but it is that kind of thing. He's like he like he's he's taking on, and especially rappers as well because they become such uh, paragons for their community, and you know, uh, seen as a way out for a lot of people who are looking at them mm. in that way. And and Kendrick as well talks about how you know there's like a, a food drive where he he gave out unhealthy food and probably contributed to you know negatively to people's health uh, health on this album as well he talks about that um mm. but i think the the his wife whitney alford is really uh, a central presence on this as well a real big presence and he's doing like i don't know if i've ever heard a uh, like maybe kanye has said it directly but like talking about doing therapy and what that mm. brings up and there's there's so many things that is explored here that i've never heard on on a rap album in this way like i mean a lot of people in modern life are exploring you know family trauma and generational trauma um and and racial trauma as well and that's what he is really trying to get to in a lot of this but then at the same time there are flashes of like he's trying to push us away or trying to say, look, I'm as flawed. I'm more flawed than you think I am. And, mm-hmm. and I do think that's true. But I think the reason why we hold Kendrick Lamar up in such a high pedestal is because his artistry and his intent and his communication and his his rapping is so good. He's such a mm-hmm. like it's an event. When I started listening to this album last week, it was like. I hadn't had that kind of event in my life for a while, you know, like Mm. the real, like this man is saying something and he, 
And somebody like Kendrick does because of his uh, influence and because of the way he approaches his art, he has mm. the opportunity to also um, change the narratives in in rap as well and change narratives in America as well because he's so ubiquitously popular and, you know, like socially conscious or not, is an mm. influence. And so I think there is that does frame it a lot for me is like the, the kind of like, what is he trying to say? Yes, he's trying to talk about himself a lot, but he's also, you can't talk about yourself as Kendrick Lamar without reflecting the greater um, impact that you have as an artist. And I think like, yeah, look, we'll get into the songs specifically and kind of yeah. the arc of the album, but I think there is a lot about that. There's a lot of, dress, of addressing about what yeah. it is. It's less about particular people and more and more about himself all the way through. Um, I think so, something quite interesting that I found listening to this album is that now and then there is a complete um, rejection of the idea of Kendrick Lamar, the poet, right? Like um, the me- media have, has kind of, and, and white media, which is, which plays an important role in the story of, of, of Kendrick Lamar is how, how white people have kind of, you know, um, have discussed him and talked about him. Like he's, he's, he's probably a, a rapper that has more, um, you know, academic pieces, like as, as in literally, you know, people studying PhDs and academics actually writing papers about the music of, of, of Kendrick Lamar. And I think the way that white people have, um, or the wh- white media have engaged with Kendrick Lamar over the years is probably a very tricky thing for him to navigate as well, because that savior complex is, it is obviously informed by his, you know, f- like us telling him like what w- white people kind of asserting him as a good role model, um, like, a a poetic like he's not just a rapper he's a poet um and then sometimes on the album I just kind of feel like there's there's a just a rejection of that and I don't know if that's something conscious that he's doing but I I sort of felt it at times like when he's talking about first time I fucked a white chick like that whole business the the argument track there's 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 moments that where where it really feels like he's saying not only i'm not your savior but he's also saying i'm not your like your good representative of what uh of what a rapper can be i'm not the good boy of hip-hop i'm not out here trying to make academic statements i'm just trying to be truthful to myself and part of being truthful to myself is engaging with kind of the thornier sides of of rap culture as well. And I I found that really interesting because you know the way we talk about to pimp a butterfly for example is is you, you can't help but talk about it in a very academic way. Um and in a very kind of, you know, high, like like a very kind of highbrow way. Um which I've always found a bit tricky because I don't know, it just kind of feels like a co-opting of an experience that <sighs> that that is intellectualized kind of beyond itself you know like at, at the end of the day what he's making is art he's not making fodder for people to sit around and intellectualize about and i think that when when a kendrick lamar album lands uh like like damn did and for some people like this did and didn't have that same sort of um i don't know like academic impact or something that people are disappointed by that but he's an artist first, you know, like it's, it's, he's, 
he makes music that is like true to himself. So I, I just thought that was important to say that like Kendrick Lamar is is kind of you know up, upheld as this kind of upstanding um, rap artist, and that that is a very very problematic thing for any community to do to a person, but particularly for white media to kind of um, hold him up in in that way. I find that tricky. Yeah. This album has arrived in a very interesting time for me. Um, I, I talked before about how I'm really enjoying the latest season of Atlanta and every mm. episode of that is concerned with uh, race, particularly um, how black people move through the world. And mm-hmm. I think it's actually a great um, kind of preparation for this kind of album as well. It's like, and I then yeah. last week, so it's just like every every episode, whether it's episodic or joins up the story of Ern and his friends and, and Paperboy is about race and how people actually do, you know, navigate their own race. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't spoil anything for you, but I would recommend if you are interested in exploring those topics more as well. Like last Friday, not only did was, did Kendrick have me thinking about the N word a lot and the F word, which we'll get into a little bit, but mm. I also went to see a play in the Abbey called an Octoroon. As in is, the F slur, not, not fuck. Yeah. The F slur. Yes. Um, yeah. So I also went to a play in the Abbey on Friday. Oh, oh you a, went to an Octoroon. Yeah. So, for context that play was written by an Irish playwright in the 1900s and uh, it was basically mm-hmm. this version is a reclaimed version by a pl- black playwright like the the play itself is is now was considered quite groundbreaking at the time but is still looking back on a very racist um, and full of caricatures uh, but it was hailed you know as some sort of breakthrough for understanding and and being empathetic with um black people and and black slaves especially um so i was and also just to say like an octoroon features uh white face in it somebody performing in white face and black face and red face as well so somebody dressed as an indian so it is that last friday was was a really interesting day for me i was mm. i spent the entire day literally thinking about you know how we view each other, how different races um, view each other and how we, what the words that we use and how damaging they can be and how, how, who has the power to use words, certain words and who doesn't. And Mm. there's a lot out here, like, especially on auntie's diaries, which we'll get into later on. But I think it's just, uh, it was just really interesting. A Friday where everything seemed to align to, address the same topic for me and it was just Mm, um yeah yeah it's it's kind of like it's just been a very interesting kind of time really and that's uh Mm. i think there's a lot to go on here like you say most of this album is really concerned with um kendrick himself and uh you know musically i mean let's just talk musically about this first because um I feel like it's 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 not the jazziness of of uh, to be a butterfly for sure. Mm. It's a bit more. It's not as thrilling, maybe as damn, and it's less populous, maybe than Good Kid, Mad City. Mm. It's a little bit all over the place sometimes. Um, yeah. How do you feel about? The I musical? find that like, um, I there there are moments that I think are 
just so bright and brilliant. Um, let, let me get the track list up. Actually, there's there's one song that I I just I don't like, <laughs> and I mean that's not too bad for for a for, for, for a double album. But um, which song? Uh, Die uh, Die Hard just isn't for me. I feel like it doesn't it it it, it sits weird as as the fourth track on the album. It just yeah, doesn't it definitely feel... feels like it should have come later in the album somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a real like. I've we, we I've have really to tried with this. it. Yeah, it's 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 a pop song, really, and uh, I don't know. It just it hasn't it hasn't clicked with me. It, it might it might click with me, um, but it just kind of hasn't clicked with me yet. And I find myself wanting to skip it when I'm when I'm listening to the album. There's very few other ones that I feel that way about. I mean, I think. In terms of how, how the album sounds, like the richness of it, I think Father Time is is probably w- one of the best sounding songs Kendrick has ever made. Um, but obviously with, with that with that Sampha piano and vocal in the in the chorus, I just think that beat is is absolutely gorgeous. Like the those piano chords are are really beautiful, and uh, they, it's actually been like it's been the thing that's been in my head, you know, if I'm, if I'm not listening to music yeah. or the silence, it's kind of, it's just that like looping piano over and over again. That's, that's kind of been stuck in my head. I think that's a beautiful song. We'll, 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 I'll, I'll definitely get into that more in terms of the lyrics. Um, like I, I again, I, like, I think like, is this Kendrick's piano album? Because for me, all the, all the best moments are, are piano driven. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the like point we, I want to make about that, um, just to, sorry to interject, but about on Octoroon, nope. I didn't finish. It was the United in grief. When I first listened, I was like, this is a, this is, seems like a song that could appear on stage. And it's just, and actually see the, t- I, what I forgot to mention there about the on Octoroon was, um, it does feature the black or the berry as part of its stage oh, show it? at the very start. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm. And the guy, and the, the guy who's playing the playwright is putting his white face makeup on while the song is playing. And then wow. he plays, and then they play WAP. And you're like, I'm in the Abbey Theatre listening to Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Um, but then yeah. when I heard United in Grief, you're like, that single piano stabs, you're like, whoa, this is like something that could follow on from what I've seen this yeah. evening. You know what I mean? I, like love, it has I, that. I love the piano in, in United in Grief. Like it's, it's such a, I, I listened to this album first out on a run. And when I put that on, I was like, oh shit. Okay, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I probably actually gave up on my, like, that way. yeah, it was odd. Like I, I'm doing my like couch to 5k. So I'm supposed to have like, you know, a little bit of running and a little bit of walking, but I found myself just like running for most of it and th- throwing the, the little routine thing out the window. I was wrecked by the end, as you can imagine. But, um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I think for for me on this album, like it, it, it is the the piano led tunes that really that I, I really, really like. Mother I Sober, um, is is amazing. Even um, We Cry Together is is a kind of a piano led, uh, track as well. Like it's 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 definitely less you know pop mm. produced than yeah. Damn. It's definitely bringing in way fewer um like african-american and and kind of uh generally african sounds that were on to pimp a butterfly and it's less it's less kind of straight up than to uh than go kid mad city um which just sounded like a kind of a, a gritty grimy 
debut album. You know what I mean? So it, it, it has the kind of the production sheen of Damn, but it doesn't have, you know, the pop elements and it doesn't have the, the swirling, you know, almost nausea of um of to pimp a butterfly which was so brilliant on on that album and for me that that took me a little bit of getting used to um like i love i love the running kind of tap dancing throughout it i think that that really um that the, the the sound of tap dancing shoes throughout it really kind of draws the 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 concept of it together the idea of of you know he's 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 telling us all these truths and then you know he's he's dancing for the audience or, or yeah. whatever that might be. There's so many well, different his, ways you can interpret. Um, and you can interpret says, those. Stop, tap, stop, da- dancing, stop tap dancing around the conversation. Stop tap dancing around the conversation. Like it is it, like, it's like maybe, maybe that is the, the, the idea that Kendrick has been, you know, sh- showing us all of the, all, all of the great things he can do. And all of the, the, like the, the myriad brilliant ways that he can, you know, dissect and interrogate culture but is he tap dancing around the more problematic elements of his life and you know using the f slur in the past and just grow, growing up in a in, in in a situation like we all did where you know we weren't like the, the idea of being politically correct wasn't really a thing like people used like f slurs about people like people in in our own lives, I'm sure. Like w- when we were teenagers, you know, like people would call things gay. I mean, it was bad. You know, all of that stuff, all of the problematic elements of ourselves, and the idea that the the idea that those things don't go away. They're still part of yourself. They still inform what you do and say and act. And it's important not to what what I think Kendrick is getting at is, is to say that it's important not to just dismiss the the. Th- those elements of yourself, those learning moments, um, and it's this seems to me to be an album that is concerned with moments of learning, moments where somebody has kind of pulled him aside and said, "No, that's not okay," or moments where he's kind of um, he he might land on an opinion on something in 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 culture or in society, but he but but he's really asking himself why he thinks that, and I know that's sort of like a a bit of a debate bro tactic to kind of, you know, uh, make, make his opinions as ironclad as possible by showing his work. But also I find it really compelling that, that he's willing to kind of, you know, to show that level of vulnerability and show that he's not perfect, that he's not this perfect socially conscious rapper that we've all decided that he is. Um, and that in, in like in, in many ways he is problematic as we all are. Um, and that honesty, I find, I find really compelling. Well, there's two, I, I read it as the, there's two framing devices, like, uh, it's not tap, tap dancing around the conversation. She, uh, his wife spends the entire album basically encouraging him to learn and share his truth and find his truth. And as well as that, to read Eckhart you know, Tolle. Yeah. Well, Eckhart Tolle is a German writer and philosopher. Um, known for a self-help book from 1997 who appears on the album as well speaking about things i've read that uh, book it's very good have you the power of now yeah the power of now okay tell tell us a bit more about it then if you if you don't mind oh god yeah like because i think that'd be interesting thing because it's something that is shown like there's on savior part uh and savior at uh the song uh 
Eckhart Tolle that if you derive your sense of identity from being a victim, let's say bad things were done to you when you were a child and you develop a sense of self that is based on the bad things that happened to you. There's a lot of talk about those kind of things and breaking bonds and breaking generational trauma. So is what is like, can you give us an example or like some insight into what that book features? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I read it during COVID, obviously, uh, <laughs> big, big self-help moment for us all during COVID. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, to sum it up, it's sort of the, the um, he doesn't say, like, I, 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 don't th- I don't think he explicitly frames it within a Buddhist framework, but it is the, the, the Buddhist idea that there is no future or past, that there's only now. And that, you know, he, he, he uh, Kendrick uses a moment where he talks about the pain body. And if you live in your pain body, you're living in your past, your past traumas, and you'll never escape them. Or if you're living in your future and you're worrying and you're, and you're anxious, that is living in the pain body. And to get out of that, you have to just deal with the here and now, like the, like, and then, you know, it's all like, you know, meditation and just living in the moment, mindfulness, all, all of that kind of stuff. There's really, really interesting ideas in, in the book that I think like whether you're you know, uh, at all curious about like Buddhist philosophy or not. It's, it, it, it's, it's kind of Buddhist philosophy packaged for the West. Um, mm. and it allows, uh, it allows for people of all faiths to kind of, or, or no faith to engage with the, with these kind of ideas as well. And K- Kendrick, as we know, is a Christian. Uh, he, he examines his Christianity and, um, and the, the, the trickiness of, you know, some of the beliefs he, he now has with, you know, as compared to some of the beliefs that his pastor might have, for example, um, when, when his, when his uncle transitioned and yeah, so that's, I, I, I I mean, that's, you know, I, I read it a couple of years ago, but that's, that's the general Mm -hmm. sort of consensus of it, where it's just like, don't, don't be defined by the pain of your past. And I find that a very interesting thing for Kendrick to talk about because, you know, the idea of generational trauma comes up in a couple of these songs. Um, More than a couple. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's ever present. It's a theme. It's a theme. Opening, definitely. Tra- opening yeah. track here, right? Opening track, United Grief. Um, he's talking about like, you know, his experiences of unfulfilled luxuries, buying, like guns and, and, uh, uh, alluding to infidelity. And he says like, uh, Baby Keem is his cousin, who's you know a very respected, uh, well-known rapper now. He's in, great in on this voice. album. Yeah, he is, and he can. He's be really good. Brilliant. He's such a fresh uh, voice, right? Like, yeah, he's, yeah I really. But like in him. the first first song, she he talks about I watched Baby, I watched Keem buy four cars in four months. You know the family dynamics on repeat. So he's talking about like the actions that people in his own family are repeating, and he sees that, and he's taken Keem under his wing. So I think there's a lot about that. There's a lot about like trying to show somebody, which you not necessarily can show somebody like, oh, don't repeat the mistakes that I made. But sometimes it is those people have to make those mistakes themselves. Mm-hmm. Then it's a deeper thing because he talks a lot about his mo- uh, baby Keem's mother on the album as well. Mm-hmm. Like talks about how, you know, and Keem does as well. Like it's, uh, I think it's Savior intro. <clears throat> like he talks about his, his experiences and echoes a very parallel story about family trauma and from the same family. Um, like you ever seen your mama strung out while you studied division, your uncle ever stole from you day after Christmas, 
seen both of these in the county jail visits. There's a lot of recounting of, like, this is the same family we're talking about, and there's a lot of references to his family himself. And I think there is a lot in that about, you know, there's generational trauma, there's family trauma, there's a lot in there. There's that mm. last song, which I, w- I don't want to talk about just yet because I think we need to get to that point. But, um, you know, and I do see the album as the two sides make sense to me because I'm so glad you, sometimes it's easier when somebody just visually frames something as two versions, yeah. two parts. Because to me, the first part, yeah, he's tapped down around the conversation. He's talking about daddy issues. He's talking about things. But second half, he gets deeper into those issues. He really gets talking about generational trauma he really gets talking about the things that happened in his life and the things that Mm. he that actually get to the point where you have a breakthrough like yeah i mean i'm not anyone that does therapy knows that like you probably get to a point you get to a point where you learn something about yourself through talking that Mm. you didn't know you were going to arrive at and and then you quit therapy and don't go again (laughs) for three years (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is, is literally experience? that is my cycle of any time I found a therapist I, we, we we get down to the thorny knotty detail of what it is that's the problem and I go and, and then they're like oh great we've had this breakthrough we'll continue this next week and then I never go back again <laughs> don't be oh. me guys Keep yeah. going to therapy. That's not <laughs> Stick healthy. with it. Mm. No, it's not. <laughs> Actually, can I talk about daddy issues uh, or not? Daddy? I, I always call the song uh, "Daddy Issues" uh, fa- Father Time because Please, I think, yes. like, let's focus on part one so, for now. Yeah, I mean, I think I, 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 I love the sound of that song as as I've talked about, but I really like that Kendrick has taken the phrase "daddy issues" and recontextualized it because it's something that's leveled towards women, right? When you when you say yeah. the word "daddy issues," you you think of a woman who you know maybe comes from a, a quote unquote broken home or has has issues with her father and and all of the kind of relationship and sexual ideas that come from that that are really misogynistic. Um, and we never really talk about men in that way. You know, it's very rare to to hear men discussing other men or to hear people discussing ever, uh, other men in terms of whether or not they have daddy issues. And I really like the way Kendrick kind of breaks that down on on this track. And he's quite overt about it um, t- towards the end. You know, he says, let's uh, let's give the women a break. Grown men with daddy issues. And, you know, the the grown men thing really sort of really sort of hit me because it it is that idea of like you have to like if you do not break this cycle as a man you are going to inflict that on all of your relationships that you have and when he says grown men i really think that he's asking himself and other men like him to take responsibility at some stage and not always um not always like live in that, you know, that pain body idea, the, the, the mm. idea that your experiences up until this point have defined you, you're a grown man, get therapy, you know, and that's, that's what he's hearing from his wife throughout it. That's what he's kind of assuring himself that he needs to do. But I really like that he kind of turned that idea of, of, um, of daddy issues on, on its head. And I also like the idea that he doesn't talk about, you know, the, how ha- having a very strict father like he he talks about the difficulties of that but he also talks about how he's benefited from it as well and it just kind of to to, to me it really broadened that idea of you know of what what a tricky relationship with your father can be like it's not like it's not just pain and it's not just trauma he 
he did benefit in some ways from having a very strict father and he doesn't shy away from that. It's really, it's not myopic at all. He's not saying, woe is me. He's not saying everything was very difficult for me growing up, even though it was. He's also saying, well, I learned a lot. I learned to have a thick skin. This has helped me kind of survive in the music industry and to ignore that side of it is, is to kind of, is, is to ignore the, the true scope of what our parental relationships and like the, the effect that they can have on us, that it's not always binary, that it's not mm, always, yeah. you know, I had a well, good it, parent or a bad most parent. Most of the time you know? it's not that, you know, most yeah, of the time, yeah. you know, most of the time it's, it's, it is the, the bits between and the, and the, there's not one way or the other. It's a, it's a lot of different things. It's the multiverse all at once. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like he, he kind of talks about like, you know, he, he, he was looking for, I love yous and, if if he cried, his dad would tell him not to be weak, that he hid his emotions, that he didn't express him sh- himself. And like, like all of that is obviously very, very sad and um and tricky for him. Sorry, I'm saying the word tricky a lot. It's, it's my it's my word of the day. But like he also talks about the fact that he loves his father. Uh, he said, I, I love my father for telling me to take off the gloves because everything he didn't want was everything I was. So, you know, he's not he's not thanking his dad for the way he treated him, but he's also saying like it's not it's not it's not binary. It's not it's it's not like good or bad. It's not damage or being uplifted. It's it's both like and it's and that's and that's what it is to kind of have this generational um this generational conversation, especially between fathers and sons, like and mm. and the the how, like the the sort of learned masculinity that comes with that, um, and obviously it's 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 it, it's a different thing in in black families than white families than you know brown families. Like no no matter what culture you're in, there yeah. is a kind of a there there are lots of differences when it comes to kind of learned masculinity, and he really explores it very of well. This is is Kendrick talking about um, rappers themselves as a, mm. you know, a group of people and how they move through the world and like, you know, uh, how they arm themselves with a lot of, you know, whether it's the classic chain or cars, bravado, braggadocio, all that kind of stuff and how they are shields for maybe possibly he's suggesting that some of the times they are shields for the trauma that they have uh, suffered in their own lives to yeah. get to that point. And that's, and that's, that, that's not like that new of an idea, but I think the way he frames it is, is novel in that he's, he's not like, he's quite overt about saying it. Like he's very, yeah. very upfront about the fact that he is talking uh, in some instances, uh, specifically about sexual abuse and sexual abuse of men um, within community, with, within like you know the rap community or the community that that he grew up in, and that's, I think that's what makes it, um, that's what makes it interesting. It's not it's not wrapped up in kind of allusions to, yeah. um, you know, I think I think we've heard a lot or we've thought a lot or or it's generally understood that men can and tend to have, you know, tricky learned things from their, from their fathers. And that, you know, the idea of breaking a generational cycle is very important in, in our current culture. That's something that, you know, men are coming to learn, but, 
But Kendrick is saying, no, I'm specifically talking here about sexual abuse. And that's not so of of boys and men. And that's not something that we hear very much, if at all, in in rap music. In any music, really. Yeah. 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 Can we talk a bit then about um, the idea then there's a lot of references here to like the culture wars, a number of eye rolling lyrics about cancel culture and political correctness. Yes. Yeah, I will that... say just to just to flag out, um, Dean Dean Van Wyn, um, who I'm sure our listeners are familiar with, wrote an excellent piece. Um, and I thought what what he wrote about, um, the the culture war issue on this album, uh, in his piece, uh, was was really astute and well observed. Um, I think if you search Dean Magazine, um, it's his uh, ghost newsletter, and I'd highly recommend yeah. uh, reading it. He, he has uh, excellent perspectives and very well thought out ideas on yeah. it but yeah let's talk about the culture war stuff because it's who there's yeah, a lot right I, mean, <laughs> I guess i guess for me a lot of what he says is fairly trite and i don't think he's adding anything to it i think uh, if anything i think he's also mm. he's introducing the idea that maybe he's not on the this uh completely on the side of uh what every all good thinking people do you know what i mean like it's like mm. getting your vaccine um he says he talks about like rappers um biting their tongues in rap lyrics, scared to be crucified about a song, but they won't admit it. Politically correct mm. is how you keep an opinion. That's in the song Savior. And he talks about COVID and um seeing a Christian say the vaccine mark of the beast. Then he caught COVID and prayed to Pfizer for relief. Then I caught COVID and started to question Kyrie. And will I stay organic or hurt in this bed for two weeks? And then he says, you really want to know? Because he doesn't tell us. Um, and mm. Kyrie is the uh, Kyrie Irving uh, NBA uh, uh, um, athlete who chose star. not to receive. Star. Chose not to receive <laughs> uh, a vaccination as a stand uh, against uh, and with solidarity with people losing their jobs from not adhering to the vaccination mandates. And that was a particular an American issue as well. But there are a lot of those. There's like a number of allusions to um, what the government are telling you to do about uh, mm. uh, N95 itself is a mask. It's Kendrick taking the mask off, but it's also questioning There's a, a fair bit of that. Let's question you're back outside, but they still lied. And then mm. the most overt example of addressing cancel culture is literally the lyric, what the fuck is cancel culture, dog? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I just I mean, don't think he has anything to say about these things that I haven't heard before. And I think that's a, mm, that's a I disagree, pity. actually. I think, um, I, I agree that those lyrics are simplistic, we'll say. I mean, I think, I, I think maybe what he's trying to do rather than actually criticize, you know, the COVID vaccine or cancel, like, you know, deride cancel culture as something that's destroying you know free speech or whatever i don't i don't really get the impression that that's what he's doing i think i think in in as much as this album is about um kendrick's relationship with himself in terms of you know his family and and his own trauma and therapy it is also about kendrick's relationship with himself in terms of how he moves through society and what i get in terms of the and I, I really hate the term culture wars, but I'm just using it as, as, a, as yeah. an easy shorthand. But like what I get when when he's dealing with issues well on this album is I think he he is really, really um, he's being really clever about it by saying 
again, I'm not your savior. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the Messiah of the left. Um, just because I, um, you know, uh, advocate for like racial justice doesn't mean I'm automatically on board with everything that you say. I like that he doesn't clarify mm. the COVID thing. I think. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I agree with that. Yeah, I do. But I yeah. just think like. But I think so a song know. like, um, um, like oddly, I think maybe the best, well, maybe not the best, but um, a very, a very interesting way that he engaged with the idea of uh of culture wars is on uh we cry together which i think is is such a like i i really love i really love that track and i think it's very important at the beginning that we hear whitney say this is what the world sounds like like mm. it's it's important that she has that there because otherwise this is this is a an argument between two people that is kind of contextless. Like this isn't really an album about a relationship in this way about the yeah. breaking down of a relationship or an argument or anything. But, you know, on, on this track, what I think is so great is that it, it, it these are two people having an argument, right? This is a couple having an argument um, about, you know, may, maybe he's texting someone, maybe she's texting someone. It's not really clear and it's not really important. The point is that in this moment, they absolutely hate each other. And what the world sounds like within that is that every bad thing that he, that this, that his character in it has done is emblematic of Harvey Weinstein, of Or Kelly, of, you know, this is why men treat us badly. This, you are everything that's wrong with the world because you did this thing. You're the reason why Or Kelly can't accept that he's an abuser. You're the reason why Harvey Weinstein is getting away with what he's getting away with. And then from his side, he's, he's, you know, you're, you're a fake feminist because you're talking shit about other women and calling them hoes just because I'm texting them or whatever. And it's, it's like he's taken, um, he's taken what, what what can be an impulse within culture, which is to point at a person who has done wrong and say that they are emblematic of everything that's wrong with society and, you know, condense it in, into an argument between a couple. And I think that's brilliant. Like, I, I, I think that's, I mean, if that's what he's doing, you know, like death of the author, it, 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 it is whatever you, you think it is, but that's the impression I got from that, from, from that song. It, yeah. That, song's that great. it is a, yeah, it's it's that it's a it's a deconstruction of what our of of what our impulse is right now, which is to say you're everything that's wrong with the world on you know both sides of the coin, as it were. Um, and I think and that's very great. clever. I, it's like it's a it's, it's a really play. clever. It's a play that appears in the middle of yeah. of you know, and that's what I think it's so wonderful. And she is just outstanding. That's she Taylor is, Page. Oh um, my god, absolutely unbelievable. Her no, I haven't. Zola, no, I have great. Yeah, great with that, my boy. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, big my Greg. boy Nicholas. <laughs> big Greg. Um but yeah, like I think I I just think that that track is it is incredible. And I, like it was the moment when she started saying, you know, where's where where's the lyrics? Um yeah, uh, you're the reason why strong women are fucked up, why they say it's a man's world. You're the reason for Trump. You're the reason we're overlooked, overpaid, underbooked, under shame. 
Um, you're the reason bitches start fucking with bitches when they change. You're the reason bitches start calling y'all bitches because y'all useless. You're the reason Harvey Weinstein had to see his conclusion. You're the reason or Kelly can't recognize that he's abusive. And like, obviously that's not true. Like we know, like how on earth can this one man be emblematic of all of these things? But 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 it gets to the heart of something, right? It, it, I think I think here he's engaging with cancel culture really intelligently and, and and in a funny way as well, because it's obviously ridiculous for her to be pointing at her boyfriend or her husband saying all these things. But but there is that that impulse in society right now to look at a wronged person and and think or claim that they are everything that's wrong with the world when that's just not true. Um and and the same thing happens on on his side as well. He accuses her of being a fake feminist. Like uh, it 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 um he he accuses her of um speaking over real victims. You know, it's it's I think it's really clever. I think it's a really interesting way. Like you said, it is a play. It's a very interesting way to kind of dissect that that very problematic impulse that we have in culture at the moment to 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 like pick a side and stick with it um, yeah, and I found example, it and, and, and it's also funny as well it's also a yeah. funny song that is a good example of of Kendrick using the you know the idea talking about um, the culture wars in and identity in a different in a very novel way that works I think compared to a lot of what he does here for me um, okay we're talking about you know it's a we cry together a play within within the album for sure um, it samples Florence and the Machine. Did you know that? <laughs> it that does, yeah. Didn't know that. But the other thing this brings up about the cancel culture and cancel and uh, culture wars is the presence, which is undeniable because he's all over this album of Kodak mm. Black. Now I have to say, I didn't, I wasn't aware of uh, Kodak Black's uh, the allegations, well, more than allegations, sexual assault that he's mm. committed. It seems uh, in 2016, he was accused of allegedly raping a teenage girl in um and so you know i didn't know that because i don't follow i wasn't mm. following kodak black's career so it said he accepted a plea deal last year okay pl- pled guilty to first degree assault and was sentenced to 18 months of probation okay and he addressed the victim directly in a live field feed virtual live feeds i apologize this happened and hopeful we can all move forward we're just you know, just a very trite statement. Anyway, but the point is really that you now here is a rapper, an artist who has done some very grievous things and is used throughout this album in a way that is incongruous with the idea of healing and trauma and stuff like that. He doesn't, he doesn't ever really refer to that. Now, I think there's been a lot of criticism for Codex Black's Codex Black's um, inclusion on the album. Mm. Um, like he, Kendrick says, like like it when they pro black, but I'm more Kodak Black. Like he's talking about there's a line there that says even blacked out screens and called it solidarity. He's talking about the summer and well, Black Lives Matter when people blacked out their social media profiles in solidarity. Yeah. Uh, and but saying that these the people are those people most of them are only pro-black for those who aren't like a person like Kodak Black who was uh, notoriously pardoned by Donald Trump and I think that is where this um, conversation takes us because we're talking about he was pardoned by a problematic president he is a problematic mm. person himself 
it does obviously recall for a lot of us, you know, our conversations last year about Donda and Marilyn Manson yes. and the baby. Absolutely. So that is the issue. I would like to just uh, also talk about um, the the journalist Ernest Owens talks about this and talks about how, you know, this is what he had to say about it. Uh, I think we've entered this annoying trend of conscious rappers, artists thinking that they are doing something enlightening and or edgy by attempting to redeem or and reimagine problematic toxic individuals in society. Kendrick sadly chose Kodak Black on purpose. The betrayal stings because these artists think they're giving these uh, individuals grace in a way that society isn't, but they're actually perpetuating a violent cycle of divorcing them of true accountability. Why must black women and others be denied justice? The annoying part is that artists that know better should do better, but somehow they get passes in the name of being human. Somehow being human Mm. keeps looking like collaborating with abusers and rapists, but never seeing solidarity with their victims. The hypocrisy. Mm Mm-hmm. Owens concluded, uh, so many of the themes of Mr. Morale and the Big Step is rooted in confronting trauma around sexual abuse and the presumption of such. The fact that Kendrick Lamar would include Kodak Black on the album is a contradiction, uh, is a contraction that sours a lot of the focus away from that exploration. So I think that's a fair point because it does, you know, there are lyrics directly talking about sexual abuse and in, in on the very... Last song, probably the most like his most personally revealing song when he when he's talked that's uh, um is called Mirror. Um he is talking, he says stuff like the the devastation haunting generations and humanity. They raped our mothers and they raped our sisters, then they made us watch, then they made us rape each other. Psychotic torture mm. in our lives that we ain't recovered. And it just jars with Codex Black's features uh, throughout the album he's he's there and yeah. he doesn't address anything like that as far as i can see he doesn't uh talk about it yet while he's he even is on sorry that song is uh is that song that's mother i sober but he that's, does that's and then mother he, i sober yeah yeah and then he directly caught it like it does the intro for mirror and where he says mm-hmm. i choose me and you're like right directly after that within a minute and a half or two minutes of those lines caught mm-hmm. black is back so i can't mm-hmm. i it feels like a very deliberate statement then. And I don't know, again, I, I don't know how to feel about it. And it's a funny one because like, because I wasn't following the Kodak Black career story, I wasn't aware of it at first. So when I first listened mm. to the album, I didn't know anything about it. But now I'm like, I'm fully aware of it. I'm like, okay, that yeah. makes me feel a bit icky and more than a bit icky yeah. again. Like, look, if you're, if you're going to platform an abuser, in order to in order to investigate the topic of abuse i think that you need to do a perfect job of it and i don't think kendrick does that on this album um i think kendrick does a very very good job of investigating abuse um the topic of 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 abuse like i said especially for for men and boys but like you have to have a really, really, really good reason to do it. And maybe he did. Maybe there was there was some kind of intent in Kendrick's decision to include Kodak Black, but because it's not obvious to us, I I, I think that that's a situation in which it should be immediately obvious. Yeah. Kodak Black because he's so clear on like, everything else. Yeah. Why he's talking yeah. about things. So yeah. there's no reason I think why it's, he can't it's so, allude to that. It's incredibly unfortunate. And I can't, I can't defend it at all. It is, it's, it's, it's really disappointing. And like, especially 
because of how we discussed Onda last year um, and how 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 tricky that was, how disappointing that was, even though we'd come to a stage where we kind of expected it from Kanye West. Like we didn't expect it from mm. Kendrick. And I think that's the um, problematic part, isn't it? You're like, okay, is Kendrick trying to push our buttons by using this, using this? I think person? so. I think, He's not even- I, well, I think, I think maybe like to, to have like, you know, the best faith reading into what he's doing would, would maybe be that he is asking us to, you know, engage with the person that we are, you know, quote unquote, canceling and to consider the actions of abusers in 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 the context of generational cycles of abuse um however i don't think that you need to include the voice of an abuser in order to do that i think that you can discuss it um without platforming one of them because i don't hear any victims being platformed on this album mm, that's fair point overtly. absolutely um yeah. so you know it's it's yeah, it's really disappointing. And like, that's, you know, that's the best faith reading I can have into it. And obviously I love, I love Kendrick. I think he's a genius and I want to have the best faith reading, but I think it would be hypocritical of me to, to talk about Donda in the way that I did and how disappointed I was with Baby and uh, Marilyn Manson's inclusion on that record. Um, and not, and not have the same sense of you know, despair when, when Kendrick Lamar does it. I think, I think Kendrick probably had better intentions than, than uh, Kanye West, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't like all, all that matters is, you know, how it, how, how it affects a person listening to it. And, you know, it's, it just, yeah. it's not, it's not like that his inclusion isn't good enough. I, I, I don't think uh, to, to be included. Yeah, and, and, and it just it just leaves me to believe then the only possible reason for him to do that otherwise is really that he's trying to like push the buttons, he's trying to participate in or push back against the culture wars or cancel culture or whatever it is. And mm. I just think, yeah, I think your point about it not platforming a victim is is totally, absolutely valid here because, it, you know, you can't just, it's, it's very, it's quite ham-fisted from him. And I think there's a number of those, there's a couple of moments here where he really, while he's done a lot of work, Kendrick has done a lot of work and, and there's, you know, he's showing his work. Like you said, he's mm. really trying to show how to like, he's breaking the generational curse, but he does a lot of things here, which don't do that as well, which is disappointing mm. for me personally. Like, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk about anti, anti drama diaries. Um, so this anti-diaries. is the song that is about, uh, trans issues and about two of uh, members of his two relations in his family who have transitioned and mm. i think it's a powerful piece of work it's a powerful song it's a, i've never heard a rap song about trans issues before and i think i mean i've I, i've never even heard a song that engages with it in this true. way before it, even, so even directly, outside of rap yeah, yeah true true like, um, like from from the perspective of a family member who is in a you know in in a time uh in his life who you know just like trans like the, the, the understanding the trans experience um as kind of cis people who aren't around a lot of lgbtq people 
um, and also being a young person in Compton. Like that's a, it's a very, very interesting perspective to kind of come at this um, from. I'm really grateful that he did it. Um, Dean and his piece um, talked about how it was, you know, it is a bit unfortunate about dead naming celebrities. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is dead named. Uh, the, you know, dead pronouns are used uh, for his uncle and his uh, cousin who have transitioned as well. But that they're, unlike the Kodak Black thing, there is this kind of sense of a justification because we are looking at this issue through the eyes of a young person who is kind of just coming to terms with it. And saying something like, my auntie is a man now is... Is is how a young person, I guess, would understand, you know, yeah. their their uncle transitioning, and like he 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 does so much with this song. Like it is again, as 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 Dean said in that piece, it is the most overtly, you know, trans supportive rap song. Um, like it it, it there's 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 nothing else I could possibly compare to that. And I love the idea that, that it's, it's told through this kind of this story of Kendrick learning and accepting and, you know, the, the pronouns become correct after a while and not only correct, but they start to just roll off his tongue. Um, I also just love the, the, the sound of like the, like how how it flows, like the the dual yeah. thing of like my auntie's a man now, Demetrius is Marianne now. I actually just think that sounds great, um, and it's really it's really interesting and and compelling to kind of think about it in that way. Um, now I'm not trans, you're not trans, trans trans people. Um, from what I've seen online, there there does tend to be there, there does seem to be rather a, a disagreement within the community, if there is a singular community, which of course there isn't, um, you know, with, in terms of how trans people are reacting to this. Um, but even, even people I've seen criticizing dead naming and using the wrong pronouns are, seem to be, you know, quite celebratory about the fact that, uh, an artist like Kendrick Lamar is writing a song like this and really investigating, um, his feelings about, you know, his, his uncle and his cousin. And then, of course, uh, you know, we, we get to the end of the song and we get to the crux of the hypocrisy within him. Um, you know, he talks about the the infamous moment when he brought a, a, a white um, audience member up on stage for, I think, Mad City, um, which which has a kind of a re- repeated refrain of the N word in uh, in the chorus, um, brought her up on stage to to sing along. And, um, and she, she did, uh, she sang along all the words. He asked her to bleep out one of the words and then she didn't. And then she was kind of sent off the stage and obviously everybody was up in arms and, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's not white people's word. Like we, we, we do not and cannot say it. Um, if I, you know, if, if any of us hear a white person using that word, even if it's singing along, like I've been, I've seen Kendrick Lamar live. I've been around white people who are singing along N word hard or it's really, it's really like not nice, uh, to be around for anybody. And he, he, he gets to the crux of his own hypocrisy with the idea that he was using the F slur, um, as a young person, but also like how hip hoppers use it. Um, 
And I love that, you say hip hoppers. <laughs> hip hip, hip hoppers is is um is a phrase that is used about hip hop artists in academia. It's it's left over from when I was studying. Yeah, people say hip hoppers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, it does make them sound quite cute, like they're bunnies or yeah. something. Hip hoppers. Yeah, um, but yeah, it is. It's 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 you know it it, it has in the past been everywhere in 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 rap you know like homophobic language is you know and you know homophobic language not even necessarily used against gay people but just calling people an f-slur because you don't have anything more intelligent to say maybe um and he gets to the crux at, at the end where his cousin is talking to him and they're like look if you if you think it's okay to say the F slur, then you can't be angry about that white girl using the N word. Um, it, it's, you know, and you know, that comparison is obviously like, I don't know, like re- relatively controversial. Like one, w- one of those words oh, yeah. is like, they, they're, they're different words and they are different communities they, and they, they have different, different histories as well. Yeah, they but- carry different weight. One, one is reclaimed by a community. The other, not so much. And it's, I think, you know, it's, it's, I've seen people describe it as a kind of a gotcha moment at the end of it. And I don't really, I don't really think it is that. I don't really think that it's the kind of the mic drop moment um, where he's kind of, you know, yeah. tricking us or something, you know, maybe we, we were, we were enjoying the, yeah, yeah, it, it, it did to me, but the more I've listened to it, I think it's, it, like you know when when all the instrumentation kind of strips away and he says that last line i just kind of i think musically it's a very interesting way to kind of convey a realization um where it does you you, you know when you realize something in that kylie jenner like we're all it's the year of realizing stuff um you know you, like when, when you have a revelation or you have a breakthrough it does feel like everything kind of falls away and you're just kind of left with that one idea and it does kind of rattle around your head for a while and that's the impression I got at, at the end of that song that he had had a realization and not everybody is going to agree with that. Not everybody is going to say that these two words are equivalent. Um, but a lot of people and will. I don't think he's and, saying that as well necessarily, but he is saying, you know, approaching, it's the same kind of word in terms of like how it hurts. Yeah. People. He's engaging with it linguistically and, mm. and he's saying like, I can't like, I'm, I, I I'm using a word that, you know, has been, damaging and hurtful to a community of people to which I do not belong. And that community of people can use it, but I can't. And he's comparing that with how he feels about the N-word um, and how m- many black people feel about the N-word. Um, you know, he's he, he's engaged with the idea of the N-word, uh, of, of how Oprah deals with that. She, she believes that nobody should say it, that black people shouldn't say it, white people shouldn't say it, nobody should say it. And he's, he's kind of, he's referenced that on, on songs before, I think on I on, uh, but he also on I think he it on this album as well, I and and he, he mentions it on this album yeah. as well, and he and he uses the word in in the same line as Oprah, which I find interesting. Um, uh, where, whereas when when he used it before on on to pimp a, on to pimp a butterfly, he explained the origin of, you know the the word, you know the like n e g u s like the, you know like talking about the idea of like African, you know, kings. And, and that was a very interesting way to kind of deal with it. 
le- less so on this one. I don't really like the Oprah moment on on this record, but but yeah, I think I think he's engaging with that really well, and I think it it will probably like it's it's difficult now to imagine um, a mainstream rap song post this track using the F slur um, flippantly. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of it's been said now. Someone said it. So moving forward from here, um, anybody using it will kind of be seen to be challenging Kendrick Lamar, or the, you know, the voice of a generation, and so on. And he seems to have kind of universal respect from 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 rappers in general. So like, this is what we call a teachable moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a teachable moment, yeah. and and he's just saying, look, I've I've I, I've engaged with people with trans people with queer people. And they don't like that we say this. So let's not say it because we don't like when white people use the N word. And, and I think it, 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 it's a moment of real clarity, I think, for him. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Like it's, it's really tricky. I, I, I really don't know how I feel about the dead naming stuff and the, the, you know, old pronouns being used and so on. But it's it's a it's a track that leaves me with more questions than answers. He he doesn't make a whole lot of statements on it. I love how he he engages with um, the idea of his church as well and the hypocrisy therein. And yeah, I think I think it's a track that asks you to consider the issue rather than telling you what his perspective or laying down an easy quotable well wrapped up in two lines, you know, moment. It's not, it's not Kendrick Lamar says trans rights. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's much, it's much more nuanced. And, and this, this is a track where, 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 like when I say he's showing his work, I think that this is probably the best example of that on this record because he's showing you how he got to the realization that he's at now how he dealt with his own internalized transphobia and homophobia and how he's able to move past that. Um, and I find that much more engaging and I'm sure people like, I, I, I think, I think people were probably fi- like people who are questioning, you know, what, what their stance is in the trans conversation at the moment would be much better convinced by a track like this than Kendrick Lamar just t- sending a tweet out saying, you know, trans rights or whatever. Do you know? It's much more, it's nuanced. And I like I that he's engaged song, in that way. Yeah, I found the song very moving the first time I heard it. I found it like, mm. I, you know, it moved me. I, you know, mm. I was like, wow. I couldn't believe I was hearing a rap song about uh, trans issues. And that did it so well and related to, obviously, you know, most people, if if somebody is bigoted or you know disrespects somebody or you, the only way that they generally change is is having a personal experience of that and he's relating mm. that here and i do think the conversation around it is also interesting because you know you then hear things about you hear terms like dead naming and maybe you weren't familiar with those names as well and mm. I think that can be another teachable moment. The conversation around it is really interesting to look at. Um, mm. And I think I, I fully understand, 
you know, I mean, while it makes you uncomfortable because he repeatedly uses the F slur in that way, it's clear mm. that it's there to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I, guess, I, I agree. I guess like the it's other not, thing... Ab- it's not used to... I, I don't think it's used to to shock us as much as it's used to kind of... Like when I, when I heard it, I found it so surprising to hear that word in Kendrick's voice. Like it felt weird. It felt disjointed and strange because he has never been a rapper who I would expect to use that word in a, in a derogatory way. So maybe, maybe we have enough trust in Kendrick as a, as a social commentator that when we hear it, we understand that it's being used with good intention and for the right reasons. And that song could have not been brilliant. That song could have engaged with it in a much more simplistic and, you know, maybe not as nuanced way. Um, And in that case, it probably wouldn't have been justified to use it. But personally, I think, I think it's, I think it's a justified use of the word um, because it's used to make an artistic point, not to fit in with a rhyming scheme and insult somebody. Do you know what I mean? Can I ask you what you think of the use of another word um, since we're talking about words here and it's something that I I noticed listening to it is the use of the word bitch in terms of mm. the song. Uh, actually, mm. uh, uh, which song? Worldwide Steppers. You know, he, he literally, you know, he's talking about, he said, objectified so many bitches I killed their confidence. And I'm just like, yeah. Hmm. Do you intentionally, are you intentionally saying that? Are you even aware? Because I wasn't sure, because he uses that word a lot. And yeah. I know that that word is, Could you could say it's been reclaimed a little bit, but it's not really. Um, and I think it does make me a little bit uncomfortable sometimes where somebody is, you know, talking about the power of words and mm. casually uses a word like bitch so often. I'm just like. Yeah. I don't know how casual it is, is the thing. Like. I think, you know, he's he's used the word bitch in the past. Um, yeah, bitch, for example. But it's also um, used like... But I don't think he's talking like about... Like he's using... Sometimes. Yeah, he's using the word bitch in, when he should be saying woman. And that is more complicated than just calling another rapper a bitch. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, that's, you know, I don't... I'm not personally offended if a man calls another man a bitch because it's like, it, it, it is obviously misogynistic because that's a, a, a word usually leveled at women. And, you know, you're kind of, you know, feminizing the, the man in order to, you know, insult them because being feminine is, is bad or whatever. But like, I'm, 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 I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, bitch is just a word that's been used in hip hop. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't love, it i don't love it um I, I don't like when words for women are used when the word woman will do um yeah. i know it's got Which one extra syllable but he, he could work around it yeah i mean i i think i think i i i understand its use in um uh when he in in worldwide steppers when he talks about uh first time i fucked a white bitch second time i fucked a white bitch and so on because i think maybe he's 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 using the language and stepping into 
the the kind of language that he would have used at this time. You know, the Good Kid, Mad City tour. He was, you know, he suddenly became very famous and flourishing on stages. Yeah, yeah, and this is maybe how he was thinking about women at that time. Maybe he was, you know, um, sexist and uh, like not like he's not presenting himself as having been perfect. And I don't mind that. I think that like if that's the intent or like I I don't think it's too generous a reading to kind of assume that. Um, and therefore I feel sometimes like that use in that song is perhaps justified artistically, but it doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean I, 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 I'm really happy about it being there, but I, I, I understand it's, it's use. And maybe that's how, you know, maybe that's how gay men will feel about the, about the Epsler. Um, like obviously, I'm I'm a queer person, but I've never been called uh, the F word uh, because I'm a I'm a queer woman, um. So that's not my word to reclaim. But like, yeah, maybe it's it it is that kind of complicated. Like, is it is it justified? Is it artistically justified to do this? Um, and everybody is going to have a different a different take on on whether or not they believe that that's the case. Obviously, depending on you know whether they're in group or out group or or just what their circumstances are, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it'd be worth bringing up because it's just, mm. you know, it's just so, as someone who's talking mm. about the use of I was asked it um, last week. Um, I was having a conversation with two men and they were talking about the the white bitch moment. And it was funny because they were talking kind of to each other about it. And I interjected and I was like, well, <laughs> as a white bitch, <laughs> And I, d- I don't think they got that I was joking, um, but um, <laughs> sure <they> did, <laughs> yeah. But it, but it seemed to me actually that those that those two men found found that uh, found the use of the word there more offensive than I did, which is fair enough. Absolutely, like it's not um, men can be just as offended by misogyny as as women, but. Um, but may, maybe I don't know. I have to, I have I really have to interrogate myself with it because I'm like, would I would I feel this um, maybe this charitable or would would I bring this much of a good faith um, position to another rapper doing this? And I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I would. Yeah, I I just think it's worth. Um thinking about it as well um as as people who are you know talking about the words um on the album and, and the carefully choosing of of words in particular um so andrea last week you were able to uh on your first impression you gave a first impression score on arena mm. for this album uh what was that score and also this week if you were to get put a score on this or place this in the pantheon mm. of where it sits currently for you, a w- less than a week in, which is the caveat uh, mm. in Kendrick's uh, discovery, what would you say? So last week I gave a four and a half last Friday um, because, I don't know, it felt at the time like a five-star album and I didn't want to give it five stars after one day of listening to it. So I was a coward and I gave it four and a half. Um, or did I give it a strong four, which is basically a four and a half? Um, I don't know. Like, I find it really hard. I think generally, actually, this is something to to bring up. 
I find it really hard to give ratings on albums. I find it well, weird. That's why we don't I think, do it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a weird thing to do. Um, I know a lot of people will disagree with that, and I and I respect other critics' opinions on it. But I think giving an album a score out of five or a score out of ten, um, like what? I think what are we really from, scoring? You know, is it, it like how from, how good it is? How how good is it? Like how how much did it? You know, reach the potential of what the intent was. Like, did did it achieve what it was setting out to do? Is it better than another album that you gave five stars to, or like, is is a five star album that you gave? Scores are a feeling. That's what I I think. You know, <laughs> you know? like it's. I mean, it they're is, not. They're not a science. They're, and I think it comes yeah. from when magazines would just print, you know, a hundred different reviews uh, and you were like scanning them at one point, or you're the kind of person that was reading a newspaper review section and you just wanted to glance. And so, you know, oh, they gave mm. that four stars grand. Um, yeah. I don't think it adds to the conversation. Generally, I guess, but- I, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a useful shorthand, but I think music criticism has, change in that like the role of the critic is no longer to tell you whether or not to buy or listen to something because if you're interested in listening to something you're probably going to listen to it because it's free and easy to do so um or relatively free like you can stream or you know you can go on youtube for free and and listen to most albums um so i think now the role of the critic in my opinion is to kind of contextualize work and or, or at least that's how i that's how I like to engage with, with music criticism. Well, that's what we're trying to um, do here, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is to contextualize it and to discuss it in terms of in terms of culture and how it is reacting or not reacting or interacting with culture. And I I find it very difficult, therefore, to give a score out of ten. It's like how how well did this sum up? culture or how well did it interact with an idea out of 10 i find it i find it very derivative and strange to engage with that no i have to do that a, a lot like i have to do it on arena i have to do it when i review albums for for the irish times and i have my own kind of criteria in my head of what is a five four three two one star album i don't think i've ever given anything one star. oh no i did um did i did i give picture this one star or two stars might have been two stars um but I mean, I don't know. It, 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 the the thing is, like right now, if I was to mark this out of five, I'd have no idea. Like there, there are for me moments that don't work for me. There, this isn't a no skip album. Like I think Good Kid, Mad City was, and I think To Bimpa Butterfly was. Damn, wasn't a no skip album for me. So maybe does that make it not a five star album? Maybe. Um, like. In terms of like what what it's set out to do, I think this album is quite murky. I think it's not always very clear what Kendrick is is trying to do here. Um, I think that there's times when I feel he's not doing his best work. Um, but there are other times when I feel like he is doing his best work. Um. And it's those moments that I that I kind of treasure when it comes to this album. Um, yeah, I think Kendrick is pretty much for me pretty like score resistant overall because 
what happens yes. is that you you do your relationship with this music changes and i think that's what i'm getting about when i started when we started this conversation about his artistry and the compelling nature of his work whether you believe it or not or you think it it matches the heights of great great uh, music and great great art um mm. The main thing is that it does engage you a lot of the time, even if you don't agree with it. And I think that's a, a good example. I think that a lot of this album is a good example of that. Um, mm. You don't quite get the um, the same. It's not like, oh, well, this is definitively, I don't like this or I don't, I don't like this. I think mean, it has, there are nuances there that like, while I can say personally that I think the album uh, sags when it hits disc two, part two mm. um, for a few songs and then has a quite arousing, uh, strong ending. I don't think mm. it, I think it does sag in the middle essentially. Um, and I yeah. think the album starts very strong and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's the first eight tracks are, are up there other than the, Die Hard, I'm not a massive fan of that. I do think that should be later. Um, yeah. So I do think, yeah, I in that way, this album has become from what I thought, God, this might be one of the best albums ever, to a album that I'm like, okay, it's definitely not perfect. And mm. it's compelling and it's interesting. And it has, it's one you want to pour over and there's one you're going to go back to in different ways. I'm not sure mm. if I'm going to go from start to finish all the way through the way I did with Dam and the way I did with the Pimple Butterfly, I'm not going to feel that viscerality, the visceral nature of of this work because it's not, it doesn't have that searing nature to it. It does question and it does, it it is lyrically so interesting and so interesting in terms of like what it illuminates for something somebody we don't didn't really know before. And mm. then again, in the way that it reminds me of you know he's talking about his infidelities here as well and his his mm. wife and you're talking this is kind of like <laughs> like lemonade in a way in a different uh coin of lemonade you're like okay there's a man who's cheated and he's you know talking about i mean jay-z does a little bit of that but he never really did and love of it like mm. it's uncomfortable in that way i'm like it seems like him and his wife are together after admissions of you know, he said he has a sex, he had a sex addiction and that's what he uh, talks about on, especially on, I think it's the last hour, last track, is it? Last track? Um, yeah, I, th- I think he references it towards the start as well. Sorry, um, Mother I Sober with Bette Gibbons from yeah. said, Thank you very much for appearing on that. That's amazing. Um, mm. You know, I just think... Yeah, something uh, that, I mean, it, in terms of the replayability of this album, I, th- I think maybe there's something in the idea, I mean... You know, to Pimp a Butterfly, I think so, so far is still his, is still considered and held up to be his greatest work. And I think something that um, works in that album's favor is how much of it, um, how much the replayability factors into that. Because with every listen, you learn something. Like you, you learn something about a sample that he's used, you learn something about a turn of phrase that he's used you know, it is so reference heavy to so many different styles of music um, and to so many different eras and genres and places and histories, you know, like it, it, it is a, it is a, 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 like a really deep album. Like the more you listen to, to, to Pimp a Butterfly, I think the more you get out of it. Um, like I've, I've listened to that start to finish, poured through the lyrics, gone on to genius, looked up at it. Like, you know, what every, there's, there's nearly like a different annotation for every word on that album. And then, you know, you can do the same thing with the instrumentation on it. So, so the replayability of that 
I think is wrapped up in how in how much you actually learn and get out of it. With this album, I think just due to the nature of what he's discussing, the immediacy of it, like the the big moments in this album that everybody's talking about are Auntie's Diaries, um, Mother I Sober. Um, they're 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 actually kind of the two big ones, and we're white steppers as well. I'd say yes, yeah, and maybe maybe this album will lose something in terms of replayability because of those like those big realization moments where he it's not a gotcha thing, but it's like you'll you'll never hear um, Auntie's Diaries again the same way that you heard it the first time. It will always kind of have, and may, maybe it'll be better <laughs> the next time you hear it. For me, I think the first time you hear it, the immediacy of it and following along that journey, nothing will ever beat that for me um, because things were so unexpected and there was all these twists and turns. And then, yeah, the, 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 the more I listened to it, the like I, I did get more out of it. I got more of an understanding of, of what he was doing. But I think once you kind of crack it, that's it, right? Yeah, Whereas, I think that's it. Today, in the lead up to this, I felt like I cracked it. Um, yeah, with repeated and, and that's where, okay. But but I think I, like, I didn't write about it for months because I was just like, I cannot go near it. Yeah, that. but I mean, like even, you know, you mentioned, you know, the, the Black or the Berry or like, like a lot of songs on, on To Pimp a Butterfly for me, like it's like hearing it for the first time a, a lot of times because there's always something within it to go and investigate. Like there's always, there's always a word or a lyric or a turn of phrase or, you know, a little, a little jazz line or like a sample or do, do, do you know what I mean? Whereas, whereas I think this album is much more set in like ly lyrically much more set in immediacy and in capturing you and maybe yeah, I, I like I'll have to return there's to it. Maybe we'll return to it at, at the end of the year. I mean, there's a lot mm. less. Uh, the personnel here, you know, the producers are a lot of people that he's worked with before. Whether mm. that's a uh, uh, Boy Wonder or Soundwave, um, who else is uh, on this? Uh, DJ Dahi, of course. Um, but then the guests as well. You're like, there's no, there's no Rihanna, there's no U two. Um, it's. Like yeah, Ghostface I'm kind of fine with there not being no a perfect. I, absolutely, that was yeah. the only, that was the only thing that made me feel a bit like, oh, everybody wants to be on Kendrick's album, so you two are yeah. here. Um, that was with Dam, but like with this, it's like the yeah. things to stand out is like Sampha used really well, um, brilliantly for Die Hard, uh, Blast and uh, Amanda Reefer, uh, Taylor yeah. Page, obviously cried together, Ghostface on Purple Hearts, which is was a nice touch. Sam Jew, yeah. who's the un unspoken. Uh, secret of the album in terms of Sam Dew is the vocalist who appears to the start and the end and most of the tracks who provides a lot of the vocal hooks here. So it seems it makes it feel like a much a smaller album. Obviously Bed Gibbons from Portishead is on it and that is fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, used Tom really well as well. as well. You know the yeah. the only the only blot is is Kodak Black. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, but it just um, is interesting that it's it feels like a much smaller cast yeah as well, it's as a well, different so. beast like it is it is entirely a different beast and it's good it's it, 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 it's good that he's not just doing the same thing over and over again right if we had another dam we'd be disappointed if we had another pimp a butterfly we wouldn't have minded but no. it's it, it, it will never be that album because he is not rapping from that perspective anymore like he's different now and 
And I don't know, I think, I think even like ranking his albums, like they're, you know, I, I, I have in, in my head, you know, the, my order of preference in terms of ones that like, I think are the most engaging and interesting, but also the ones that I enjoy listening to the most. Um, good, good kid, Mad City actually recently, um, I, I is like, I've I've just been enjoying listening to that album a lot because I think maybe yeah. I wore out to Pimp a Butterfly after a while, sure, um, yeah. or just sort sort of like I needed to take a little break from it. But um, but I always return to it. But like, yeah, with with this album, I don't know how much replayability it's going to have. Um, for me, it, that doesn't mean I don't think it's brilliant. And, and there are songs in it that I will come back to and listen to. And I'm not going to stop listening to this album now that we're kind of finished talking about it. I'm going to keep listening to it o- o- over the next few weeks and see what is you know i think it's nice to get to, to a processing point with it you know hmm. like where you're yeah feeling, okay it's not it's no longer feels so overwhelming that i'm like oh you know especially i'm sure it was difficult for you last friday when you're like i need to have an opinion about this now and you're like yeah. i haven't quite processed all of this this is an hour yeah. and 17 minutes there's 18 tracks a lot mm. being said here um yeah i have to say I, one of the funniest I, I, I've, I've been up for eight hours like <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Go the ahead. funniest the funniest line on this album to bring it back to something lighter is when Kanye got back with Drake I was slightly confused <laughs> yeah slightly the use of the word slightly there is just like so what slightly what confused I was yeah. slightly confused he's like hmm yeah I was yeah too, it's, it's kind of it's really side-eyeing right it was like yeah. I was slightly confused yeah that that line is interesting like it's hmm, because like when Kendrick featured Kodak Black, I was slightly confused, you know, it's, yeah, it's weird. I find his yeah. Drake, like, feud or whatever, very odd. He just doesn't, like, Kendrick just seems to me like he's an artist that, like, really should be above feuding with Drake, <laughs> like, just yeah. in, like, all instances, just, like, a completely different and much more engaging and intelligent artist than than, than Drake is. I've yeah. said it before, I'll say it again, Drake's had bangers. But yeah. he is no Anyway, we're not talking about Drake eyes. here. Let's let's no. We always seem to come back to him though. Drake um, always enters the chat. Okay, yeah. well I think Was there's there anything plenty else there. you wanted to chat about in, on on this album? Any other insights? Um, I think that's everything that I had uh, discussed entirely to myself and uh, written mm. notes on. Um, yeah, I think I think that's everything that I've got to. Yeah, I think at this point, like I do think. You know, for me, it is a conceptual piece about therapy. A lot of it, I think, there's a lot of uh, it's groundbreaking in the in the way lyrically, in the way that it talks about. Like, I think, I just think it's so interesting that trauma is is so is something that also our culture, our music culture, and our pop culture uh, are talking about a lot, very actively, and uh, mm. it's kind of a defining theme of our time. Something that we're yeah. just so familiar with, and I think. You know, I think it's it's worth remembering, and like, and I think we were talking about when you're talking about the use of words and not, you know, dead naming and all that kind of stuff. It's like those terms weren't something that we're not even uh, we weren't even familiar with ten years ago or less, mm. and so we've come a long way, baby. That's all I'm saying. We have, um, and yeah. I think we are, we are all learning at all the same time, and Kendrick and ourselves are all learning. But like, um, I just think it's interesting to have. You know, I mean, contrasted with like Pusha T, a great rap artist, but he's just doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. rapping about selling coke, and that's fine. 
He's yeah. not, but if Pusha T came out and did an album where he talked about his feelings, even if he talked about his dog that he loves, which he has his own Instagram account, I'd just be mm. like, cool, man, you did something different. I still like yeah. the Pusha T album, but I'm also like, we give him his flowers all the time. Yeah. But I'm, you're kind I'm of really digging in and trying to do the work. Like, I'm continuously impressed by how many different ways Pusha T has found to talk about cocaine. Like, I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is a PhD topic for him. Like it's, <laughs> he's really coming at it from all angles and making sure yeah. that he covers every single bit of ground on cocaine before he moves on to anything else. And, you know, <laughs> I have, I have some respect for that. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that absolutely. absolutely. Academic he, impulse. But, um, I heard an yeah, interview I mean, where he said he wants to get Pharrell and, uh, Kanye to, and Ye to, uh, produce all his albums from now on, uh, in the same okay. fashion. I was like, okay, that'd be interesting, because yeah. a lot of it works, and he he does really well. But he's just like he, his 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 end game is perfecting that. I think mm. you know, like that's mm. what Pusha T wants to do. Where Kendrick yeah. is like a much greater scope in terms of artistry, and it, it's it's interesting. Then, like a few weeks after you get that kind of great Pusha T, album, you get this like you know morality play, very different <laughs> this, beast, yeah. morality play, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's where we leave it then. Will we, unless we have anything else mm. to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I think the only thing I'll say is that, like, I think I'm going to be spending more time with this album, and I think albums like this, s- similarly with like, I remember when, when Lemonade came out, I I just needed time with it. I needed to let it marinate, and I think this is an album I'm, I'm going to be in conversation with for a while. So, I mean. Look out for the end of year episode. I'm sure it's going to come up. Um, but <laughs> yes, I, yeah, yes, we, we can kind of check check in then and see see how we feel. You know, um, six, seven months. I don't know what year it is. Um, but Listen, we've a lot yeah. to get to before we get near out. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to have final thoughts don't on this worry. album, and and I think I think the idea of putting a, a full stop after it, um, I just wouldn't encourage people to kind of make their mind up on on one or two listens uh, when it comes to this album. I think that spending a bit of time with it is worth Kendrick it. Kendrick is the work. I think it's worthwhile with this album to do the work and I think it'll be mm. rewarded like in anything in life mostly and especially good yeah. art if you put it and if the art seems like it has uh, more to offer put in the work mm. and it, it will reward you I think so that's how I think about these things yeah. when, when well, great. A lovely sentiment though. I will take this opportunity if you haven't had enough Kendrick chat Yo this week um or if you've listened to this album and it's not for you and you think good kid mad city was better um my podcast my favorite album with andrea cleary has uh, a new episode out this week it's available now and it features virgin media news reporter richard chambers slash the internet's boyfriend richard chambers um discussing his favorite album good kid mad city it's available on all your podcast platforms and i think it's really nice chat um it's yeah it was great it really it really like you, reignited my love for that album when we recorded it. We recorded it before this album came out and there's actually parts in it where we're like, I wonder if he's going to release something this year. And it's very funny to like listen back to, it's like, ah, oh, we, we were but babes. Um, but well, yeah, we that's available. Well, we were only told a few weeks ago, really, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was, I, Zappers, it, really. I think it was actually, it was shortly after we'd recorded the the, yeah. the podcast. But yeah, so that's available. Go listen to it if you like. Send it to a mate. Okay, great. Well, it's just as well this week's episode is an hour and 40 plus minutes long because oh, we are not here next week. And uh, oh, yeah. I guess that, we're that's why. To, 
<laughs> yes, but we're moving into summertime, so we'll be we will be doing episodes. But we won't we won't necessarily be doing episodes every week. I'll be at Primavera in June. There's a couple of weeks. I'm at a wedding next week in so Spain. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah you're a wedding. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. How so we might be a little how bit novel. sparser, but um, we will. We'll, we're around. Yeah. Hello, kitty. <laughs> Sorry, Niall has uh, turned his camera. Hi. You gonna drink that water? No, no water left. None for you. <laughs> no soup for you. All right. Well, look, that was our Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers episode. I'm sure we'll be talking yeah. about it later in the year, as you said. Andrea, thanks so much for all your time and input. Thank you, Niall. And thank you, listener. Uh, podcast at Niall9.com if you've any thoughts on uh, this album or any suggestions of what you'd like us to discuss in future. Or if you just want to drop us a little line and say, hey, we're yeah. we're here. And if you want to talk to us directly, it's patreon.com forward slash 99. We can uh, access to the Discord. Yay. Brilliant. Okay. Cool. Thanks, everybody. All right. We'll see you in talk two to weeks. You soon. Yeah. Bye. Talk to you in two weeks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.